0: but the passion is the same and if you sit in the inner bowl you're seeing exactly what they saw in the 60s and that's the charm and beauty of lambeau field yeah i mean looking at these stands and the end zones and all the boxes and everything else i mean this is unbelievable but the essence of lambeau field and the packers has remained the same that culture hasn't changed
1: you're listening to the quick cast sit back relax and enjoy the show Welcome into the Quickcast, the official podcast of Quick Trip. My name is Chris Calloway with the marketing department, and we are here today high above the atrium at Lambeau Field, and I'm joined by a very special guest, in Green Bay Packers play-by-play announcer Wayne Larravee. Wayne, welcome in, and thank you for joining
0: me today. Great to be with you, Chris.
1: And you're here because it's the Quick Trip family weekend here in Green Bay. You got to uh, chat with the the Zitlow family, and yeah. we're very thankful for you and. Um, your your relationship with Quick Trip. You've been in Wisconsin a long time now, so I'm sure you're you got a, a favorite one you stop by in your neighborhood,
0: right? Oh yeah, I mean a couple of them actually, um, but no, I'm a big fan of Quick Trip. I have been forever, and um, you know we were so glad. And I live in Grafton Cedarburg area. We finally got a Quick Trip that replaced a PDQ, which is a fine company, but uh, they took over a PDQ on five corners, Route 60 in uh, Cedarburg, and that place is jammed every day. It's just it's great though to have one that close by so you grew up um or you at least were born on the east coast of massachusetts mm-hmm. correct yeah and then
1: what did what eventually brought you to the midwest
0: <laughs> well you know um i i when I was in college, I was doing some work, and I uh, got a job in Texas, in Pampa, Texas, which is in the Panhandle near Amarillo, uh, doing high school football. So I took a semester out of college to do it one fall, and then I went back, finished up my degree, and had you know enough commercial experience that I got a job in Iowa, Davenport, Iowa, KSTT radio broadcasting Iowa football on the radio. And this is back in the days. Now, this opportunity wouldn't exist today because this is back in the day when... uh Major colleges, especially in the Big Ten, did not have a single origination of their broadcast. They had many, mm. several towns, several of the major towns uh, throughout the state would have their own broadcast. So I was on one of those, and I, I remember there were like 13 of them for Iowa, because I every town was passionate about Hawkeyes football. And so I was on one of 13, and I'll never forget the second game we did was in the L.A. Coliseum. <laughs> well, the Coliseum didn't have 13 radio booths, okay? Wow. Um, so. Some of us were up on the roof, and here I am, up right on the roof of the Coliseum trying to broadcast this game without binoculars, without glasses, and I'm just under, I could reach up and touch the lights of the stadium, and I remember I got a, an Iowa score wrong. I didn't realize it until I got back Monday uh, at the office and saw, oh, wait a minute, it wasn't who I thought scored, it was somebody else, but um, that was kind of, that was a great opportunity, and from there I went to Kansas City. After a year of that, I went to Kansas City and then Chicago and up here.
1: So you've been with the Packers since nineteen ninety nine, Ninety nine, yeah. So just after that initial couple of Super Bowl runs, and the the team has you know been successful and. What's really stood out to me is the way that Lambeau Field has changed. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are your memories of of Lambeau itself uh, back when you started versus kind of the what it is today?
0: Well, it's interesting you mention that because the first game I ever broadcast for the Chiefs was a preseason game in 1978 here at Lambeau Field. And this is before there were any of the Skybox okay. things. So, you know, nothing. it was just kind of like it was in the 60s. You had two scoreboards, Pabst Blue Ribbon on each scoreboard, and the north and south end zone areas. Um, it was very much the old press box, the same one that was there for the ice bowl. And so it was for me, um, you know, being a, having grown up a Packers fan in the 60s in Massachusetts and envisioning all this, it was exactly what I envisioned. And it was the old Lambeau Field. Um and I've seen it change over the years as I've come through here. But that was the first game I did. And I'll never forget it because the Packers had this uh, first round draft choice out of Stanford by the name of James Lofton. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just, he became a megastar in the league. And eventually, I got to know him, eventually, worked a lot of games uh, with him with Westwood One.
1: Very nice. And you mentioned you grew up as a Packer fan. Out in Massachusetts? Yeah. How did that work?
0: Well, I mean, if you were a football fan, if you were an NFL fan, I mean, they play the NFL was the, the game. And of mm-hmm. course, the AFL was getting started back in the 60s, but the NFL was really the game. And it kind of, after the 1958 title game, Giants and Colts in, in New York, the, the game went from black and white to color in a hurry. And that's kind of where it was in the 60s. It, it just kind of burst on the scene. And the team, well, I was about six, seven, eight years old, the team that was you know that I really liked my two favorite colors were green and gold, and the team I liked wore green and gold, and uh, they were winning the Lombardi Packers. So they became to me uh, that was uh, that was really a dream. So you're you're a young boy with memories of the ice bowl and yeah. some of those Bart Starr teams. Yes, exactly. Okay. those were my Packers. Yeah. All
1: right. So eventually you you come. To work at Lambeau Field and, and you're calling these Packer games, I, I would imagine that has to be sort of a, a dream come true for you. How do you sort of balance being a, a fan of the team and, you know, like quote-unquote, like Homer on the broadcast, you know, and, and everything with, you know, your, your radio obligations and calling it like you see it?
0: Yeah, you know, there there is a certain part of you that can't be a fan. right? Um, and you know where I find it being more of a problem is not so much in Um, talking things up but um, like fans uh, especially Chicago Bears and Green Bay Packers fans they're so knowledgeable about the X's and O's of the teams and the personalities and the players they're so tuned into that that I think the fans on on both sides get very negative toward their teams you know it's never good enough Um, that win yesterday ugly win wasn't it you know it was Yeah, we have a tendency to get negative. Um, Now, if anything, anyone comes in here and says something bad about our team, the Packers, or down there, the Bears, oh, then, you know, those are fighting words. But we feel no problem criticizing our own team as fans and so I have to kind of guard against that a little bit you know you don't want to be too critical because you you understand how difficult it is to do this day to day when you're as close to it as I've been over 43 years in the NFL now Um, it's not easy this is tough this is it's hard to win a game much less do what the Packers have done in the last 30 uh, years.
1: So do fans come up to you and do they ask, why are we playing that running back? you need to make a different draft pick? Do they think that, you know, you're – Somehow in, in that draft room or when those types
0: uh, things happen, they, they uh, sometimes yeah they do like to express you know their thoughts on something because uh, I become their link to management when I'm not a link to management <laughs> at all. Man- management wouldn't have me as a link, trust me. Uh, but no, I sometimes they do and it is it's usually a good discussion and um, the fans have been great here. They really have, but I I appreciate their knowledge of the game and how into it they are. That's the thing, the passion of the two fan bases. And when I was in Kansas City. Unfortunately, this was back before uh, Marty Schottenheimer and that whole group got in there. Um, The Chiefs weren't very good. Marv Levy was the head coach and they were really struggling uh, those years in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, But the Chiefs fan base was tremendous. So I I really feel proud that I've had an opportunity to work uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, preeminent AFL team, um, Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers, the two preeminent uh, teams in the National Football League.
1: Yeah, that's uh, quite the, the the list of the upper echelon of teams that have not only been there a long time, but been successful too. And
0: what's great about it is radio means something to those fans. Sure. It's very important to those fans. And uh, it, when I was in Chicago, we used to have these big campaigns, billboards on buses and everywhere, uh, turn down the sound on your TV, turn on Bears radio type thing. And it's harder to do that now because – uh, the tv signal has changed mm-hmm. okay the radio signal's the same but but depending on how you get your tv do you get it over the air on antenna do you get it on cable do you get it on satellite all those signals are different and it's why it's so hard to sync up to radio
1: sure so when you're broadcasting and you and Larry are calling a game how do you broadcast to those diehard super knowledgeable fans Versus, you know, a, a casual fan that might not understand when you're talking about slot right, and split left, and you know all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, you know, that's that's kind of a leap of faith. You have to. I, that's why a lot of times I'll say, uh, you know, Devonte Adams out to the right side, Randall Cobb to the left, kind of thing. Um, you know, you have to figure that most ninety percent of your audience knows that uh, knows what kind of formation they're looking at. I. When I do a Packers game on radio, I'm trying to, I think of the guy who's out in a tractor combining in the field and he's got his headset on he's listening to us on the game and he's doing his work. Um, The state trooper out, you know, patrolling the roads uh, the highways uh, people going from I don't know Dora County back home to Milwaukee those people who aren't in front of a TV set th- those are the people I'm trying to broadcast to and, and when I go back and listen to tapes of, of my work um, I I don't I listen a little bit during the week uh, of a game but I usually wait until about June or July and then go back and listen to games from last year because then I I, I don't know what's going to happen next I don't know where my mindset was if I listen to a Game I did Sunday on Tuesday. I know everything comes back to me where my mind was and everything else. And it's not. I'm not hearing the game as a listener would. When I listen to it six, eight months, ten months later, I don't know what's coming up next. So I have to listen to it as a fan. And now, am I giving the fans what they need? Do they? Do I know what yard line the ball's on? Do I know what down it is? How many yards to go? How many yards did they gain on that play? Uh, who made the catch? All these things. Who made the tackle? That kind of thing. That's how I do it. So.
1: How has your your preparation process changed? You mentioned you've been, you know, doing this for for over forty years. I would imagine you've kind of evolved <laughs> your process, especially with the advent of you know different technologies at, at your advantage, right?
0: Yeah, all my boards are done on a computer now, sure. and then I print them out. And so it's <laughs> it took a while. Some guys, it's funny. Some guys in our business still do it on those um, uh, vanilla envelopes, you know, uh, or binders or whatever for sure and some guys still do that um but i i do it all on computer now and it's and and uh the hardest thing for me is you know i spend all week putting information together um and it, i go back to when i was in pampa and a, a colleague of mine actually my boss at the time said you know listen you don't have to have everything memorized but you have to know where to get that information know where number 89 if you don't know who number 89 is you got them over here, and you got the name right next to the number. So that helped me develop my board. So what I do is I put everybody listed numerically on the sides, and then I have everybody in position. Running backs, offensive line, tack everybody is in position in the middle of the board. but. They aren't, they don't stay in position. The play happens, they're all out of position. So, who's number 32? Well, I can go over here numerically and find number 32, that kind of thing. So, um, but that's evolved over the years a little bit. Um, I probably put too much information on my boards. A lot of guys today don't put a lot of information down. They kind of have it somewhere else. Maybe it's in their head. But for me, it's kind of part of my preparation sure. in in getting ready for the game. I have too
1: much rather than too little
0: information, yeah, for sure. Exactly. So, let's say you
1: know it's a Packer bye week and it's giants versus panthers and you're watching it do you have like a running play-by-play going in your head as you're watching <laughs> that or are you able to kind of turn that off as you're you know watching it as a fan
0: yeah a little bit but no if i especially if I know the two teams yeah maybe uh, if i know the two teams i i will Kind of in my mind will start churning like that watching the game, but if I don't, if it's Giants and Panthers, I probably don't. And and if I if the Packers are going to play the Giants coming up, I'll definitely watch the game in a different way. Sure. You know, so I'm kind of looking at their personnel and and I may even have a chart in front of me as to you know who they are and that type of thing.
1: Okay, so we're hitting, sitting here at, at Lambeau on a Friday in July, and it, it certainly feels different than a Sunday in December. How do you describe? What happens to this town on a Packers game day versus what it's like the other 350 some odd days a year
0: well you know uh, the Packers and everything about why this town is what it is is certainly prevalent um, even during the off season but game day game weekend actually Mm -hmm. the game day especially it's a tremendous celebration. It's like a holiday here. Um, when the game's on, you can go to one of the malls and it's empty. You know, <laughs> walk down Main Street to Green Bay; it's empty. That's time you know? to do grocery shopping. Exactly, and a lot of people have told me that. Sure, and a lot of people listen to us when they're doing that. But um, you know, it's a celebration. It really is, and it's become so much bigger than it used to be. And it used to be. Green Bay, and it, you maybe Milwaukee, especially when the fans got sprinkled in after they stopped going down to Milwaukee to play three games. But now it's become this destination place, mm-hmm. this bucket list place. So there are people from all over the world who are here. So it's a real different feel, but it's a tremendous celebration of the Packers and football.
1: Right. And it's by far, I think, the smallest our city that has a professional sports mm-hmm. team. And you know, having the history of the Packers, you know, dating back to 1919, I believe, how do you think they've been able to, you know, kind of keep that, that title when, you know, so many teams are moving? You know, you see the Raiders go from Oakland to Las Vegas, and that seems to be a lot Before of that, Los driven. Angeles. Right, yeah. You know, a lot of these seem to be money driven. Like, how do you, how has Lambeau Field been able to essentially keep the Packers here?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting uh, point, and it is kind of a marvel when you consider stock sales for one have helped sure. over the years. But uh, and it's it's part of the charm of this team and how so many hundreds of thousands of people now own a little piece of this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the structure of the charter that uh, you know if this place was this team was sold and and moved, all the proceeds would go to the VFW or something like that. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure of that story, sure. but it's it's part of it. Um, And I think that there has been... And it's very interesting if you go back over the years, even into the 50s, when the Packers are trying to upgrade to Lambeau Field, how much other teams in the league, including the Chicago Bears and especially George Hallish, Hallis, uh, valued the Green Bay Packers, what they meant to the league and what they meant to his franchise in terms of the rivalry. So there have been a lot of things that have come together to make this happen. And today, a lot of it is business and making money and that type of thing, the expansion of this, the stadium here. Um, but the Packers... is the same and if you sit in the inner bowl it's really the same if your focus from the inner bowl is on the field you're seeing exactly what they saw in the 60s and that's the charm and beauty of lambeau field yeah i mean looking at these stands and the end zones and all the boxes and everything else i mean this is unbelievable but the essence of lambeau field and the packers has remained the same that culture hasn't changed
1: right and certainly Having some winning seasons, you know, more con- more often than not, and some championships certainly help, and we have those, you know, championship over my shoulder here, and you've been lucky enough to be calling a Super Bowl, yep. and, um, you know, being able to experience that, you know, you're not on the field part of the team, but what's that feeling like for you as a broadcaster who's, you know, just... It's just out in front of you, but it's kind of the the pinnacle of where you're trying to get to,
0: right? It really is, yeah. And, you know, I'd say a playoff game is like that. You know, it's always your best preparation. You're always your sharpest in those situations, it seems like. Um, You know, in the Super Bowl feeling that I had, it's interesting because that whole week – uh, in Dallas was just a meteorological disaster. The ice storm, right? Uh, the ice storm, and the ice didn't you know, leave the streets till like late Saturday afternoon. And it was an amazing week in many respects, but a difficult week. And the game, where we broadcast in Dallas, we were in the corner of the end zone. And it's really hard to do the broadcast. So it was a real struggle to do the game. Um, and you hoped you covered things well. You hoped you said the right things and called the play correctly and all that um but when it was finally over it was like and they had finally won um it was like wow what a great experience whereas is my son said it was also on the trip one of my sons said you know if the packers had lost that game we'd be lamenting it as one of the worst weeks of our lives right and but the win made everything made it all of a sudden oh wow this was just a great experience
1: so then the last decade of, of getting so close but not being yeah. able to get quite back is that as, as as tantalizing for you as it is for you know all the players on the field. Oh
0: yeah, no question about it. Uh, when I look back on it, since 2010, when the Packers won the Super Bowl, and people say, well, they were 15 and one in 2011, but you know I worried about that team because the defense had collapsed, and and you got to play defense uh, to win a Super Bowl. You really have to be a good defense. So you know the next time they had a chance to go to the Super Bowl was 2014. It was a team that he evolved through the season and by the end of the year they were better than anybody they'd beaten the patriots on the way in and they had seattle all but beaten in that Mm -hmm. nfc championship game that was really difficult because they would have played the patriots in the super bowl again and they they probably would have won because the patriots weren't playing that well Um, but The next year, you know, as we went along, 2015 wasn't the same. 2016 was a bad team, and Aaron Rodgers elevated them to the NFC Championship game. 2017, Rodgers got injured. Things were falling apart in 2018. And then Matt LaFleur came in 2019. They were very fortunate. In LaFleur's first year, they got all the way to the championship game and got blown out in San Francisco. But by 2020, they had a team, along with Tampa Bay, those were the two best teams of football. Just happened to be they couldn't get by the Buccaneers in a game right here at Lambeau Field. Finally got a championship game back here. Couldn't quite get it done. Um, And then last year. Last year's team was Last year's team beat the two Super Bowl teams, one on the road and the other at home. And the game here against the Rams, that dagger came in the third quarter. It wasn't even close. So, you know, the Packers, you know, arguably were the best team in the league. Um, That San Francisco game, the offense had an off night. The defense played lights out and special teams had miscues that they just couldn't overcome. And that, you know, that was to me almost as hard as fourth and twenty-six. Because sure. I knew it was kind of the end of the era. I knew it was the last dance for that team. I thought it was the last dance for both Devontae and Aaron. Didn't realize the last dance was just about Devante. Sure.
1: So that kind of sets up this season as as a very unique one. You know, coming yeah. off of the the expectations of what could have been what transactions might were going to happen in the offseason. Um Seventeen not being out there is is going to be a gaping hole. You know, it's not going to be yeah. on your your preparation sheet. You know, it's going to be Lazard and Cobb and the the rookies and you know, kind of what's what's your sense of how it's all going to kind of come together on the field?
0: I think we're really going to see the Matt Lafleur X's and O's offense this year. And and you say, well, he yeah, of course he's had the offense implemented, but Rodgers. You know, it's kind of like what Aaron said. You know, there's there's the um, Matt Lafleur offense. X's and O's on paper. In practice, there's a there's another offense when you're on the field and sure. things change. And and that's true with any offense. Okay, but I think we're going to see the Packers married a lot to um, Lafleur's uh, offensive theories and and game plans. And um, I th- I said this and I got trashed on on social media. The Packers going to be fine. Okay, are they as good without Devontae Adams? No. Right. But they'll be. They'll get it done in different ways. I think you'll see uh, number 33, Aaron Jones. He'll be in motion a lot out of the backfield. They'll be getting him the ball on quick hitters uh, in the slot in space where he can really do some damage. You'll see them relying more on the running game, and they had a good running game last year. But they'll be even more of a running team this year. You'll see them work some. uh, These rookies will come in and they'll play a role. A lot won't be hoisted on them, but they'll have to play a role. Christian Watson will be in motion. They'll try to get him on the edge as well. So they'll. Do it in different ways. The defense is being counted on to be very good. Special teams being counted on to be much improved. I see the commitment on special teams and some of the personnel that they have on this offseason roster now. And I anticipate they're going to commit to it um, during the season as well. And I think the defense remains to be seen. But if they're as good as what people around the league say they should be, then uh, the Packers will be fine.
1: It's always reassuring to hear as a Packer fan. So, just a couple final questions here. Um, one of the perks of you know being the announcer is that you not only work here, but every stadium pretty much around the <laughs> around the country. Do you have a, a road trip or a stadium that you you particularly look forward to more than others?
0: Oh boy, uh, road trip or stadium. Denver's my favorite city. Okay, uh, it's just a great town, um, and and you know. Mile high is the fans are great. They're rabid like they are here. And and it's a great uh, experience to go to a game there. Um, You know, believe it or not, the stadium in New Jersey, uh, MetLife Stadium, Okay, you get a really good view of the game from there. They've got you almost on the 50-yard line, and, you know, I'm starting to judge stadiums now based on where we broadcast from. Dallas is a great stadium, but we're so far away from the action. Sure. Uh, I dread going there. Washington's the worst stadium in the in the NFL. Uh, again, we're cornered the end zone, but very, very low in the oh, corner, yeah. and it's very hard to see. Um, Foxborough's really good. You're almost too close to the action there, but... Um, this is the best place to do a game from Lambeau Field, and I guarantee you, 31 other um, local play-by-play guys would tell you the same.
1: Right. Uh, next question. You mentioned James Lofton as being kind of uh, one of your favorite guys, but are there guys over the years that maybe weren't stars that stood out to you as you know, kind of some of those those Packer players that 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 stick out to you and guys that you remember?
0: Oh, he was a star, but um, Lynn Dickey was one sure. of my favorite Packers. I, I think there are. And I probably Arnie Hebner is probably should be in this group. But, you know, there's Starr, there's Favre, Rogers, Lynn Dickey. Those are the four great quarterbacks of the modern era for the Packers. And believe me, Lynn Dickey was as good as anybody. And James Lofton said, and James played in Super Bowls with Jim Kelly, He said Lynn Dickey's the best quarterback he ever played with. So Lynn is a great guy. And I really liked him uh, as a player and as a person. Um, There are so many other guys out there, just, you know, Dorsey Levins. And I think to, you know, Jordy Nelson was a great guy. Just a lot of good people. One thing Ted Thompson and Brian Gutekus do, there is a there's an emphasis on who these guys are as people. Mm-hmm. And that makes a difference. It does. You can't have all Boy Scouts on your football team. You need a couple of nasties, but they've got to be the right kind of nasties. And good people are what they try to put into this organization.
1: Last question. So I remember my first time coming to Lambeau. You kind of come out of the concourse into the, the main bowl and it almost takes your breath away. Just everything about it is so striking. Do you still get that feeling when, when you come to work here on Sundays? Yeah,
0: I do. You know, it's funny because we park in the south, beyond the south end zone, and I have to come across to the press box on the west side, and I'm walking on this catwalk, and you you look on one side, you see the old concession stands, they're still there under the bowl of the uh, stadium, and then you look out on the left, you see the parking lot and all the tailgates going on, and it is, it, I have a, the same feeling um, that I remember as a kid going from church, going home to to watch them on the TV set. Uh, there's that feeling of anticipation, and it, it's great. It's a celebration of the Packers and, and football. Awesome.
1: Well, Wayne Larravee, we're we're excited for the season. We appreciate your time uh, with us on the Quick Cast this afternoon, and um, yeah, we we can't wait for week one here to
0: roll around. Good being with you, Chris, and good being with Quick Trip.
1: Thanks, Wayne, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Quick Cast. Hey, we'll see you next time.